Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Your host for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They will be taking your calls and speaking with a different guest each week. You are encouraged to call in and share your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Are you ready for your dose of hope? You're listening to Pause I Am Radio. everyone and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Um, your host Robert Brining this evening, the fabulous Jeremy Dunn, who's by my side. Hey Jeremy. Well hey, hey, what's up? What's going on? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, girl. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. You know, a little cold and silly, but cold. You know. It is it's um it's thirty six degrees here in New York and we're supposed to get snow on Tuesday. Oh, God bless you. I know. That's a lot. It is a lot. I'm, I, you know, it's like, oh, it's just going to be cold. Thank God I have two warm bodies to cuddle up to, though. Oh, that's always a good thing. It is. One is furrier than the other, and one has four legs. We'll just put it at that. <laughs> so, so and, how, how was uh, how was your last week? Oh my you God! You actually had off. You had off last week, right? Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Right? Yes. So, yeah, um, I, uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, last week I was off because um, I was entertaining someone um, who we'll talk about later at a later time. But, um, but uh, so you I had know. Some, you had some plans. Yeah, yeah, had plans. So, so we hung out. We we did what all lovers do, you know, and fell asleep very quickly. Just after. That's a good thing. Yes, exactly. And um, and then uh, had a great Thanksgiving. It was uh, Daniel and me. So we, uh, I made a really nice turkey uh, with all the trimming. Daniel, the ever uh, industrious boy that he is. We had a leftover, uh, we had a pumpkin from Halloween that we never carved up. So Daniel got the bright idea to make pumpkin pie. This pumpkin was big. It was a big pumpkin. So he made two pies, and I have to tell you, they are probably the best pumpkin pies I've I've eaten in a very long time. So there's nothing like, you know, from scratch. And then... We had enough for two pies, and then I made uh, a cream of pumpkin soup. So, yeah, I'm, gonna say, I'm funny like that. I, I mean, I'm not a fan of pumpkin. Anytime I can do pumpkin is if it's like a pumpkin roll or if it's pumpkin coffee. Other than that, I don't like pumpkin at all. Well, it's, 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 hmm, pumpkin coffee? That's not even yeah. a real pumpkin. But it tastes good. <laughs> That's all that matters. It tastes good. It tastes good. Oh, goodness me. So, how was your Thanksgiving? Yeah. How, what did you and Sean do? It was good. We actually um, went to his brother's on Thanksgiving um, afternoon um, and then went to my aunt's and did the family thing there. Um, and then, about 7, 8 o'clock, we were in line at Walmart doing our little right. Black Friday shopping. At Walmart. Yes. So so I'm going to get on my little soapbox for a minute. Go ahead. I, I, I already mean, got blasted on Facebook about going to Walmart. So, I mean, for me, honestly, I'm there to get a deal. I don't really give two shits about what people have to say about it. But go ahead. You're more than welcome to put your input in, which I'm sure you will. <laughs> All I'm going to say is we need to support our small businesses because it's companies like Walmart, these big box stores, that are right. – putting our small businesses out of business. 
So right. Well, uh, that, it, that's why on Saturday is Small Business Saturday, and that's why you go to your small businesses on that it day. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. I go to my small businesses every day. It's every one day well, a week doesn't support the business, and you have to go every day. You have to support your neighborhood stores. You got to do that. So, so no, Walmart totally will not agree, get but, a dollar from me. But what I'm saying is, Walmart. I would not have been able to go to a small business here in the city and got a 40-inch flat-screen TV for $198. It just wouldn't have happened. Well, I I got a 32-inch, and I didn't have to pay for it. Well, good for you. I had to, so we went I paid $40 for it. I had reward points and gift cards, baby. Oh, yeah. Well, I just sounded (laughs) like um, the Duff Man from The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Wow, wow. Uh, like Ferris yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. So, so we did that, and we were actually were we were shopping. I think by the time we got home it was about three o'clock in the morning. Oh. So well, I mean, it's a tradition that me and my my sister does. Uh, you know, every, we do it every uh, every Black Friday. So um, you know, it was just a tradition that we we kept, and, and we do. We just go there, we stand in line. She gets gifts that she has to get for her, her kids and stuff like that, and I'm kind of a line waiter. So, you know, it was fun. It was a good uh, time. Uh, I I don't have the patience for it. I don't. Well, you know, don't it used to be worse. It was a lot worse when the store, when when we would go to Walmart and they wouldn't open until 5 a.m., which meant we would go and stand in line about 2 o'clock in the morning outside, freezing our butts off. Get out of here. Until they opened at 5 a.m. to get that special deal, whatever it was, whether it was a computer or a flat screen or furniture or whatever the thing that we wanted that year. So this year, I mean, the last two years, they've stayed open because they're 24 hours now. So now they just stay open and there were sales that went on, you know, certain items went on sale at 8 o'clock and then they went again on 10 o'clock and then other ones went on sale at 5 a.m. So it just depended on what you wanted. We were grateful, we were, I guess, fortunate enough that nothing that we wanted went on sale at 5 a.m. Or we would have been in line from about, I would say, eight o'clock until five a.m. Oh, that's that's just crazy. That's craziness. Yeah, yeah but it's fun. That's like standing in a bread line. <laughs> or cheese. <laughs> exactly. Now I'll stand in line for cheese. That's funny. But I mean, it was it was it was nice, and um, you know. It's something that we do, and it's tradition, so it's just something that we continue to do. Um, and, you know, it's something that we can we can do together and, and share and have each other oh, to, to do their stuff. family affair, isn't it? Right, exactly. It's all about family. So, um, you know, that's what Thanksgiving is about. So, I mean, I spent uh, – the other day, yesterday, I actually spent some time with uh, my grandmother, who has been in and out of the hospital for the last year probably about ten times. Um, you know, she's she's in her, I want to say she's in her eighties. Um, I'm not sure the specific age, but you know, she's up there and it's my dad's mom and you know, my dad's not here to be there. So I try to go there as often as I can. And you know, it just doesn't look good. She's been seeing, you know, she said she saw my father and one of my aunts who passed away. She's been seeing them, which isn't always, you know, it's not usually a good sign when they can see dead people. So, um, you know, I just tried to, you know, comfort her as much as I can. I, you know, was feeding her. You know, I mean, that was a good thing. At least she was sitting up and she was talking to me and feeding me, even if some of it was incoherent. But well, that's good. Right. Yeah. And then the, the other. What did you say? I'm sorry. Oh no no no! Keep going. Yeah. When I was going to say the other thing that I had to deal with um, yesterday or this week um, was um, I had to go uh, visit my ex yesterday and put down our dog. Um, newbie um, my ex had before, you know, we were together and, you know, I was with him for seven years. So he was basically, I was with him for half his life. He was 13 and a half years old. And the poor thing had Lyme disease twice, had bone cancer um, at the end and was dealing with a whole bunch of other, um, you know, besides old age, a whole bunch of other things. So unfortunately we had to put newbie down uh, yesterday, which was, you know, really emotional because I never had to put a pet down before. You know, so this was my first time, and um, he was such a good dog, and it just it saddened me deeply that we had to we had to do that and and to go through that whole thing. But you know, it was nice that 
I got to see him one last time because I haven't seen him in a while, and he wagged his tail for me, and, you know, he was excited to see me. So it was it was good. It was just very emotional because, like I said, I've never put a pet down before, at least not one that was mine. You know what I mean? Like we had pets that disappeared and went to the farm, <laughs> but, like, I was yeah. never physically there when it happened. So um, yeah. it was it was something that, you know, it was sad, but it was something that needed to be done. He's not in pain anymore, and that's what's important. Well, and, you know, and and you know, I think we should do a, a show about pets, HIV, and, and pets, and, and what and, and all that because pets are they love you unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And what is in and they can't tell you where it hurts. Right. You know, but you know that they're not feeling good. And you can see it in their body language. You can see it the way they hold themselves, you know, their their heads and their eyes. It kills you. Yeah, it was, it was, it was very emotional. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was. It's never easy. I know, I keep looking over at Charlie and, and um, you know, every once in a while I'll just say, you're just a stupid bag of bones, I'm going to have you gasped. But, you know, I don't really mean it. Right. Well, they're like children. You know, they're, exactly. they're part of our family, just like anyone else, whether they're human or an animal. You know, you love them the same, and it, it's just a very, you know, it's a sad thing. And I, I never knew what it felt like when people talked about losing their pet, and you know, to to go through that for the first time, it was it's losing a family member. Exactly. You're losing you're losing a family member, and, and that's that's the, that's the thing. So we need to start moving this along, I think, because I think um, who, you know, our guest, Carrie, tonight. Yes. Carrie Farmer. Kaufman. Um, so, uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, who our guest is and, and and why we've got her on the show. I, I, I find her fascinating. She's a, she's a strong, strong woman. Oh, she's amazing. Um, I met her a few times at some different conferences. I, I know I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think the first time I met her was at a Positive Living conference. Um, and she's just an incredible woman with an incredible story who I've wanted to come on for a very long time. And she lives in Arkansas, and she's a mother, um, and she has a beautiful daughter, and she was diagnosed with HIV in November of 2010. And then two days later, she was diagnosed with AIDS. And then she was told to make plans for her daughter and for her own funeral. And then two years later, she's still here fighting and making a difference in the community and stepping up. And she's been doing a lot of activism online. And um, she's involved in two grassroots organizations that she'll talk about when she comes on. So please help me welcome Carrie Farmer Coughlin to the show. Welcome, Carrie. Hello. Hey, how are you, girl? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Fantastic, Carrie. How are you? I mean, boy, we already just asked that question, didn't we? I'm really excited <laughs> to be talking to you guys. Sounds like you had a great Thanksgiving holiday. Well, how was how yours? yours? Tell us about yours. Mine was great. I actually spent a few days with my mom, and it was nice to turn my phone off and just stay out in the country, and it was really nice. Didn't do any shopping. Wait, wait, wait. Carrie, 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 hold on. Yes. I'm a girl, and I did not shop. No, 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 Carrie, I I want to go back to this country thing. You live in Arkansas. Isn't the whole state in the country? No, no, no. I actually sort of live in a city, not like New York City, but I live in the city, if you want to call it that. You live in a town. You you live in a township. (laughs) How can I argue with you two? (laughs) <laughs> now, now, do they do they actually have electricity in Arkansas? I mean, yeah. Um, we just got it yesterday, you know. Okay, and I and from what I understand, you're still on the party line, right? On a what? The party line. Don't don't party. your don't your um communities share one phone? <laughs> so how did you get how did you get the phone for an hour on a Sunday? Because I'm special. Okay. That's right, Carrie. You're right. I'm loved. You're loved. So, so, Carrie, was I right when I said that we met each other for the first time at the Positive Living? We did. We met actually for like five minutes. 
I was leaving the Positive Women's Network, and you guys were coming in. And I remembered you when I met y'all when we met again in Dallas. So uh-huh. both of you put some kind of spark in my mind because I remembered you two out of the thousands of people that were there. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's hard not to remember Robert. Let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, it's hard Wait to forget him. I should say. <laughs> Were you you were attending you were actually attending Positive Living, were you? Were you attending the the the, the Positive Women's Network one there? I was yes, I was just attending the Women's Network. I was actually headed home whenever you guys were coming in to the Positive Living uh, conference. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that's what I thought. And then I do I do remember seeing you in Dallas because I do have a photo of us together. Um I right. think the last day before we left that we got I grabbed the photo with you. Um what did you think of uh, – well, let's let's kind of start back with when you were diagnosed and all that stuff. What made you – what prompted you to go get tested? Well, I didn't get go and get tested. I got sick and was put in the hospital and almost – I was dying. Um, what happened was is I got a UTI, a urinary tract infection, and I just started getting real sick. I worked at a jail at the time, and I, I knew something was wrong. I thought maybe it was a flu. I went to the doctor, got like a flu shot, got – those B12 shots a couple of times, and then I wasn't getting better. And um, I got worse, and all I can remember is my friend taking me to the hospital, and they said that my blood pressure was 80 over 20, and my system had gone septic, and my, my all of my organs were shutting down, and they had no idea what was wrong with me. And that was in October of 2010, and I was in the ICU for about a week. And then the next week, all they could come up with was that I had pancreatitis and sent me home. You had what, I'm sorry? Pancreatitis. Okay. And then two weeks later, I wasn't getting any better. I was throwing up the medicine and everything, and I came back to the hospital, and I had thrush from my lips all the way down to the back of my throat. And they brought in the infectious disease doctor, and he took five tests, and they all came up positive for for HIV. I found out on November 4th, 2010, right before I turned 30, that I was HIV positive. And what was that like for you? What were the feelings when they told you that you were positive? Um, it was, at first, it was, I kind of had a feeling that's what it was. I was all by myself in my hospital room, and when my doctor came in, and he just said, I'm really sorry. And I asked him to not say what he was fixing to say, but he did. And I just remember calling my mom and telling my mom, and and then they told me that my daughter had to be tested because of the high count of the viral load in my CD4. They thought that I had it for like 10 years, so they had to test my daughter, and that scared me more than anything. Wow. Were they not, because they were not sure when you actually contracted the virus? Right. They were... That's right. And and. In 2010, when you when you tested positive, how old was your daughter at that time? She was five. Okay. And I had I had her um, C-section, but I did breastfeed, so they were concerned about that, and that was probably the scariest part. And my mom and stepdad had to take her to get tested, and then she came back negative, and my ex-husband came back negative, and so that's where all the questions started, and and. They, that's, he took the five tests because he had never seen somebody's number so high. My viral load was 2.5 million. They didn't understand why I was still alive. And right. They didn't. They weren't. They weren't expecting me to live much longer, because you know you have to be on these medications to lower your numbers to make you healthy, and that's why they told me to go ahead and plan my funeral because my organs were not working. So therefore, there was no point in taking this medication because the medication's just going to make your organs weaker. But some kind of willpower inside of me and my daughter <laughs> has brought me to where I am today. So so you said that when you tested positive, you, you thought before the doctor said it that you kind of knew what it was. What made you think that that's what it was? I mean... All my life I've been... Um, I've had a little obsession about HIV and AIDS. I've I've known about it. I had a love for Ryan, Ryan White and Elton John, and and I've had a love for Stone and Robin on General Hospital. I just I've always known about it, and I think that that was God's way of showing me that that I was going to be okay. That 
that if mm-hmm. this ever happened to me, I would know that I'm going to be okay. So, because, I, you know, sometimes I do question why, but then again, I think I'm not scared to talk about it. And some people need that. Some people need a person like me to be their voice. And that's why oh, yeah. I'm here. No, I totally agree because when I tested positive before that, before I actually got the results, I had this gut feeling, and that's kind of what made me go get tested. And from hearing story after story on the show, and I'm sure Jeremy can, um, you know, agree with this, but a lot of people have kind of had that gut feeling inside them that kind of said, like, they kind of thought that that's what it was or they knew that that's what it was. They had this feeling. Um, So, I mean, for me, I know I had it. Jeremy, did you kind of have this feeling when you were diagnosed? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Um when I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed with my ex Steve at the time. And he was diagnosed a week before I was, uh, because we went in to go get his results after a routine physical. And uh and we both didn't you know, we were both thinking, oh, you know, it's HIV test, blah 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 blah, yada yada yada. And um, when he came back positive, um, that's when the daggers started being thrown, so to speak. Uh, Because, you know, I, you know, it was was just, I had no idea, no clue. But, uh, and then I went and got diet, and then, you know, I went and had my T-cell count and viral load and all that. And that's when they said, oh, buddy. You have AIDS. So it's kind of like you, uh, Carrie, in that respect. Only I wasn't, you know, on my deathbed. Right. Well, when I was, when I was but, younger, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Jeremy. Oh, yeah. No, no, no problem. I, I was just going to ask you the question. Um, that is a lot to take in. Um, you're, you're in the ICU. Organs are failing. Go plan your funeral. You're HIV positive. Blah 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 blah. How the hell did you handle all of that? And and how did you get your daughter to understand all of this? Um, I have a great family. I have a great support system. Um, I have a very strong willpowered self, and my daughter, um, she she is my rock I don't know how whatever what word to put but God gave me her and she she's amazing she is the smartest seven year old girl that you will meet she knows everything you need to know about HIV and AIDS and condoms (laughs) um I don't I can't answer how I handled it. I don't remember a lot. When you're when you go through shock, you don't remember. All I know is that I'm okay today and I do what I do now to make it through the day. But without my family and my daughter, I know I would be going crazy. I bet. Well, it's usually my family that drives me crazy. I'm pretty lucky to have a family. I know there's a lot of us that don't have it. Don't have yeah. family. No, no, I agree. I mean, family's great. I just really enjoy it when I get to leave them. Um, but uh, so, so what are we? I mean, uh, so we are at. Oh my gosh, we're almost at twenty-five after. Um, you are. You were getting ready to tell us something about when you were younger. I, I, and, uh, oh yeah, I was just gonna say. I was just going to say, like, I've always known about HIV. Even when I was in high school, uh, a junior in high school, this is just so ironic. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you guys, but I sang He Thinks His Name Is John by Reba McIntyre and talked about how every four minutes somebody dies of AIDS. And just thinking back about all these things in my life, how I used to always go get tested every six months when I was sexually active throughout my life. And then I was married for six years. And then I get divorced, and a month after I was divorced, one month after I was divorced, I was sick and dying. It, is, it uh-huh. can happen to anybody. I mean, and, I, and, you I, were, and you were working in the jail at the time, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and from what I remember, um, you're pretty passionate about inmate health. Yes. 
and in inmate care. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that, because I, I I think that is just really fascinating about what you're doing with the inmates, what and and what you're trying to get done for them. You mean like with having condom distribution and all all of that stuff? And exactly, exactly. Tell us why you're so passionate about it. And HIV criminalization. Yep. <laughs> just because. I, I live in one of the harshest states that has the harshest laws on HIV criminalization. And I believe that those laws need to be changed. People need to be taught. There's a lot of ignorance. And things have, they know that it's happening, but they're not doing anything about it until something really bad happens. And I think that's ridiculous. And that's why I'm very passionate about it. For instance... So, if, so what, what, are the, what are the laws in Arkansas? If I was in a relationship, or not even a relationship, if I were to have sex with somebody today, and tomorrow he decides and goes to tells the police that I did not tell them that I had HIV, they would arrest me, and without even asking me, without even, you know, I would have no say. The law is is, is that I'm completely guilty. Wow. And, yeah, it's really bad here. And, I are, are people? Is, is anybody prosecuted under this law currently in Arkansas? I personally know somebody that has been prosecuted and is living as a, as a registered sex offender who, who did not do a sex offense. He didn't even, you know, have sex with the person. But because the person said that he did, this man now has to live as a sex offender and it says on his little sex offender card that he's HIV positive, which that is not, that should not be legal at all. Right. And I don't know why it's on there, but it is. It's on his little card, and he has to have that for the next, like, 20 years. He has to live with that. He has to try to, not only does he have to live with having HIV and live with the fact that people think that he's a child molester, but, I mean, that's terrible. So, we're trying to fix that. That's so, one of the things. so really, the the point of the law is to force HIV positive people out of the closet, so to speak. Yes. Um, so, is there is it you know acceptable? So, so let me ask you then, Carrie, while we're on the whole criminalization, um, what is what is your opinion? Um, if you are HIV positive, undetectable, on meds, and use condoms every time, do you think you need to disclose? I think so, and I'll explain why. Because people don't always tell the truth. I would not, I can't say that I would not have gotten this, but the person that I got it from had it, and they had HIV medication in their system, and I was mutated, and I know that a lot of people listening don't does not understand what that means. But disclosure is important. Being honest with people is important because of those reasons. Right. So, so I'm going to ask one more silly question. Um, hold on one second. Um. What uh what was I gonna say? Um gonna say something and then it was just it was about HIV criminalization? Yeah, it was. It was oh god, what was I gonna Well you um, think um one of the yeah. things that I wanted to bring up was just recently, um, you know, our friend Robert Settle was actually here in Philadelphia and did a presentation um, with the Positive Justice Project and the Positive Women's Network. And he came here and shared his story, you know, about being uh, criminalized for living with HIV. And they actually had somebody come from uh, the AIDS law and policy um, come and actually talk about the, the, the Pennsylvania laws and talked about previous cases here. And um, I think it's something that he is uh, doing throughout the United States, going to different states and, and bringing this presentation. So um, it's really 
eye-opening and it's an important subject. And it's something that I said at the Positive Living Conference when Robert was speaking, um, and I've said it, you know, numerous times that if you're HIV positive and you don't know what to advocate about, you don't want to share your story, but you want to be a voice, these HIV criminalization laws that are basically stigmatizing people um, who are living with HIV is something that you need to get up and be loud about. Um, and I think, Carrie, uh, by doing what you do is, is being that voice and, and helping those people um, and, and to break down those barriers and the stigma and all that surrounding these laws because they need to be wiped away. If an STD is something to criminalize somebody about, then it can't just be HIV. It needs to be every single one under the rainbow. Right. No, absolutely. And so, you know, and I and I think we say this all the time, is, um, is don't put your sexual health or your health in the, in the hands of someone else. Don't assume that just because there's a law on the books, don't assume that that person's actually going to tell you. You should always bring it up, and you should always, you know, that's that's why, you know, I was, I've always been upfront about it. Because it's this kind of, this kind of, you know, since this is Internet radio, the FCC isn't listening, it's this kind of shit that, that just drives me bonkers. Drives me insane. That's one thing that I I always try to tell people is that you know people are not honest. They don't. They're not. You know, somebody can say I'm a virgin. Well, yeah, right. Or I don't do drugs. Well, really, what's those track marks on your arms? You know, so you have to protect yourself. Exactly. You're right. Once you get this, it's not going away like a pregnancy. No, it isn't. <laughs> and and you gotta be you. You know, but then again, you know, being, um, it's, it's good to be honest about it, but don't force people who are afraid to come out, come out. You know, I, I don't think that's right either. I think there has to be a, I think there needs to be a, 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 a balance. Gosh, we are at the bottom of the hour. Um, and we're just starting to scratch the surface with Carrie Farmer. Uh, Carrie is a mother of one, um, single mom living with HIV, uh, and uh, was diagnosed two years ago. So, Carrie, what are you doing these days? What's, what's happening today? What's going on with you, and what are you doing um, besides, the, uh, besides inmate care and uh, criminalization laws? Well, I'm getting ready for World AIDS Day. We're having a lot of wonderful things going on here in Arkansas I'm extremely excited about. I've been asked to speak at um, the University of Pine Bluff for Campaign to End AIDS, Arkansas. And we're also having our first um, World AIDS Day celebration here in Fort Smith. that we, have, we haven't had one in probably 20 years. So I'm very excited about that. Um, our foundation, Our Hope, or Arkansas Hope is we're joining with Northwest Arkansas and Fort Smith together to have a have that on December first. And then um the twenty ninth we're gonna go down to Little Rock and celebrate by watching the movie the documentary Deep South which I have not seen yet, so I'm very excited to see it. Oh, that's yeah. It's the southeast. It's it's Mm-hmm. It's not good. So that's exciting. So, um, so Carrie, tell me, tell me a little bit about how you um, told your family that you were positive, and then again, how you told your daughter if you told your daughter. Um. Well, like I said, I told my mom, but I called my mom. She's the first person I called. Um, my father's no longer with me. He's he's in heaven, but he's been with me the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. My daughter, she's she's known from the beginning. I've just explained it to her. She knows that mommy's sick. That she um, knows that she tells people mommy's blood is poison. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, she learned that from the movie The Cure. I make sure that she's 
she's educated, she'd watch the movie The Cure, and she goes with me to my doctor's appointment. She she knows that she she's seen me from from very sick to very healthy. She still gets very nervous when I go to the doctor whenever I get my numbers because she knows that if it's bad, mommy has to go back to the hospital. But she's right. a very very supportive little girl. She's and her teachers know I'm I'm the local Girl Scout leader and. All my Girl Scouts know, and they their moms are supportive, and it's really amazing how you know living in the state in the South, you know how supportive people are. <clears throat> there are negative people, but I don't really care. <laughs> I just live my life. Right. No. I, I mean, one of the things that we always I, I try to get mothers who come on who are positive to talk about is how they have that conversation with their child, because it's something that people with HIV struggle with, whether it's their, their child of their own or it's like their niece or nephew. Like I haven't, my niece knows, but she's 15 years old, but my nephew who's 11 doesn't know. So I struggle with that conversation and if I should have that conversation. And, you know, you said uh, your daughter, who's, she's five, right? She's seven, almost eight now. Oh, seven. Okay, I'm going to say. And she knows that mommy's blood has poison where we've had previously people on um, who spoke about bugs in the blood or, you know, different things along that. So there really isn't an age that people can't tell they're a, a young child because if you explain it in the terms that that child will understand, you can still do it without going into all the details and the scientific stuff of it. So that's why I asked you about that because it's so crucial and so important that people understand that the conversation can be had with any child of any age, as long as you, you break it down into terms that they'll, they will understand. That's right. And she knows so, that when um, she gets sick, she has to, you know, she has to go stay with Grandma so that Mommy doesn't get sick. And she, mm-hmm. You're right. It just, it just depends on the child. And it, I just felt like I needed to tell her because we live together. She's my daughter, and so... I don't know. I just and no, I think it's amazing. Knows. And I have I have, you know, the whole uh dementia problem, so I knew that I had to tell people and I had to tell close people because I was gonna need help and I that was a hard part. That was something hard to deal with. Right. No, I mean I, I think it's it's courageous of you to to tell. Because so many people hide and they don't tell their children. Um, whether it's fear or stigma or they just feel that their child isn't going to be able to understand it. So just to hear that experience is, is uplifting and, and, like I said, it's courageous for you to do as a mother. Um, what is the hardest thing as a mother um, being HIV positive? What is, the, like, the hardest struggle that you faced? Um, wondering if I'm going to wake up in the morning, wondering um, when the medicine is going to stop. I just, I, I wonder, uh, try not to get emotional. <laughs> Um, just knowing that I ha- I'm ashamed. I still have a lot of shame inside of me because I know I, you know, like I put I put on my I quoted a woman from Philadelphia, the movie Philadelphia. I'm not a victim. I know I'm not guilty. I know I'm not innocent. But I also know that I chose. I made a choice, and because I made that choice, I'm having to deal with this every day. And every single day, I have to look at my daughter and know that one day my medication's not going to work anymore. One day I'm going to get sick again, and that's what's the hardest part. Right. So uh, real quick, I just want to open up the phone lines because um, we have some people who are sitting on hold, and if you're interested in uh, speaking with Kelly or you have a question or a comment, you can call us at the show at 347-215-9442 and press the one button so we know you're not just listening and you actually want to come on air and speak with us. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about was um, the International AIDS Conference and, and what that was like for you. That was probably one of the most inspirational and emotional times of my life. My sister went with me, and we bonded like no other. Like uh, I can't even put into words how much my sister and I bonded that week. It was so special. And to be there with so many people, to see you guys, I feel like we're a little family, you know, and mm-hmm. to be able to see to see everybody and to know that I'm around people that know what I'm going through on a daily basis is so comforting. 
and I had just read Elton John's book, and then to be there and hear him talk about it and talk about his love for us, it's just, it was wonderful. It was, I don't know what other work to put into it, but say wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree, because I think that was kind of the feeling that everybody who went there experienced. I know, you know, seeing UK and seeing all the people that we've met online and then just being there with Jeremy and Daniel and Aaron and having that experience, it was it was an actual lifetime thing that I, you know, I don't like to ever feel like that again. It was very, like, uh, like a, a, a togetherness, you know what I mean? It was like a feeling of mm-hmm. I'm home. I think my favorite, most inspirational part was when I unrolled my first quilt, and it was Freddie Mercury's quilt. I was like, that is unreal. I right. opened that, and I was like, wow. So that was emotional and reading people's names was very emotional I, and I've prom- you know I've made a promise to myself I, I'm not going to be on that list mm-hmm. so yeah I think seeing the quote was something that was really uh, life changing for a lot of people who were there um, yeah. one of the other things I wanted to Jeremy are you with me still yeah I'm here okay I just wanted to make sure you seemed a little quiet for yourself I was on mute <laughs> are you no, muting your instant messengers are you not reading the IM? Okay, just making sure you're good. So, so, you, so you just had to call me out on the radio. I just wanted to make sure okay. I didn't see it. Sorry. Wow, that's professional. <laughs> Seriously. So, oh, it's funny. So one of the things that we did want to um, bring up, Carrie, is um, you know the Pazan Radio Show was a part of you know me and Jeremy were a part of uh, the hashtag HIV. Uh, campaign that went on, um, and you were actually the winner of that, and you're going to be attending the next Positive Living Conference coming up in March. And I just wanted to, to touch a little bit on that. What was that like, that experience for you to win that? And then what was your photo exactly uh, representing, you know, what was you representing for you? That that contest was really fun for me. The whole hashtag you had, you made, like, this little – hashtag on board sign and um, you asked us all to take pictures and automatically in my head because I dreamed of having another child, a healthy child, I thought of doing like baby on board. That's my, that's what I thought of. So I took, I took the cut out of the hashtag sign and I put it on my belly and I had my daughter hug it and it made me look like I was pregnant. So, and I just made it I called it my baby hashtag on board, and that's how how I won. And I I love that picture. I want to get it framed. <laughs> it's funny because that was you know we were trying to go with something of you know when when AIDS first hit the scene or HIV first hit the scene in the 80s. One of the things that was very popular was the baby on board side, and that's kind of where it derived from and where it came from. So it's kind of very interesting that that was what you meant it or used it as because that was where the the symbol itself actually came from, from the baby on board. That's cool because I didn't even know that. (laughs) Yeah. So it's kind of ironic. We actually do have a caller on the air, so I want to go ahead and bring them on. And if you're interested in calling the show, you can reach us at 347-215-9442. Let's bring on area code 407. You're on the air with Pazam Radio. Who's this? Um, Hi, Robert and Jeremy. This is Michael. How are you? Good, Michael. How are you? How are you? I'm doing great. Um, Carrie, I have a question for you. Um, as a mother, obviously, if, um, you said to all the other parents in the Girl Scout group um, you know that you're positive, but for other parents from your daughter's school, if they don't react in a positive light to your HIV status, has anyone ever reacted in a bad way and refused their child to hang out with your daughter? And if so, how do you react to that? Uh, as of today, nobody has. The negative, the principal at my at her school knows that I'm positive as well. I I wear my I have HIV shirt all the time, and um, if anybody's negative, they say it behind my back. And my daughter has never come home and said anything about anybody being mean to her. And I've thought about asking about doing like a town hall meeting or something, but I haven't had the the reason to as yet. The kids are very, very um, welcoming. They, my daughter is a lot like me. She's very outgoing, and she's not going to listen to anything. She, she has a lot going on her plate with with me and her dad. So she's, she's a very tough girl. 
So, so since since you're on the air, Michael Lloyd, um, how, uh, are you still doing your show? Because I know Kerry actually co-hosted with you from the International AIDS Conference. So I'm going to ask you, what was that like to have Kerry with you co-hosting from the conference? Well, it was really a blessing because, you know, I had never met Carrie up until we met in Dulles International Airport in D.C. I was waiting for her for, I think, an hour, and she landed, and then we sat and had sushi, and we had been talking for a couple months, and I had been talking with her and her daughter, actually, over Skype, and her daughter is actually, since we're talking about that, is one of the cutest little girls in the world, and she's so sweet, so supportive, and just full of so much life and energy, and Carrie is such a great mother, and I know experiencing from the trip, and, and I know both of you were at um, the International AIDS Conference, and it was hectic and stressful, and Carrie was just mellow and go with the flow, and she's a great person, and I'm very proud of her. Cool. And, Michael, is your show still going on? You know, it is. I have not done anything with it in the past couple of weeks just due to the fact of some health complications and other things like that, but it'll be back on probably from that end of the week. Cool, cool. Well, we wish you well, and we hope everything's good with you. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks for calling in, man. Thank you. Bye. So, again, if you uh, want to call into the show, 347-215-9442. So, how did you um, find support, Carrie? When, after you were diagnosed, um, what was one of the things that you did to, to find the support? I mean, besides from your family, how did you find other people who were living with HIV? Um, I found out about the, there's only like one local place here called Our Care, and then I found out about the support group, and I still felt really alone because most of the people in the group were gay men, which I have nothing against them, and you both know that, and, um, (laughs) um, (laughs) my best friends are gay men. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I, when I went to the Positive Women's Network, my life was, I felt like I was being reborn. I, I met women that have had it for 27 years, that, that had it less than me, and I, I finally felt like I wasn't alone. And now I have friends all around the United States and even the world now since the International AIDS Conference. But you just kind of have to get out and do stuff. You have to, you have to... If, if you need the support, you have to find it sometimes. And right yeah. now, it's you know here in this town, it's still me and a couple of gay guys. But I'm I'm still loving it. I'm doing good. <laughs> no, I totally understand because when I actually went to my first support group um, years ago, when I was first diagnosed, I went there and it was a lot of older gentlemen. So I felt uh, uh, disconnected. You know what I mean? I felt like I couldn't relate to them. But I think it's something that. We do to ourselves. We make ourselves not relatable. So, I mean, going coming to a, a, a support group now, now that I fully accepted my status and am more confident in who I am, I, I go to that and I find all these kinds of different similarities that I thought would make me different from other people. Um, so I think it's kind of like a growth thing. I mean, now that you're saying that you're okay with going to the support group with other, you know, with, with gay men and, and it being okay now, um, have you actually been to the Positive Living Conference? I have not. So, so this will be your first time coming up in March. So I have to tell you that I went to this conference for the first time, I want to say, two years ago. Because, Jeremy, we only did it once together, right, last year? This past year, yeah. Right. Okay, so I went to it once a year before by myself. And I have to tell you, and Jeremy can um, you know, talk about his experience there, but for me, it's the best conference in, in the whole entire world. If you thought that the International AIDS Conference was great, for me, the Positive Living Conference experience is so much better because, one, it's a smaller group. So there's about 500 people that you'll meet there, and 98% of those people are living with HIV, so they know exactly how you feel. And then there's specific little uh, breakout sessions that are geared towards people living with HIV, and it's really not a lot of scientific stuff where the International AIDS Conference, kind of a lot of the um, the breakouts and a lot of the sessions they had, they were all about science and new discoveries and things like that. And for me, you know, I mean, that's why we created Positive in the radio show because some people don't want the scientific, you know, medical talk. They want the personal experience. And, and going there to that conference in, in Walton Beach, it's just amazing. You meet so many incredible people. I mean, Jeremy, what was your experience like there? So she has a, an idea of what to expect. Hmm. Gosh. 
that was it, it was great. The people were great. The, uh, the breakout sessions were wonderful. Um, and of course, who doesn't love Butch? I mean, really. Right. So, yeah. Uh, he's I mean, lovable. Come on. And he just he just had a birthday recently, by the way. Yeah. So happy birthday, Butch. Yes. Exactly. So no, I I am so so excited to uh, to to uh, go back in March. Um, let me see here. It looks like we have another caller coming in. Let's bring that person on or persons. Caller in area code three one three. You're on the air. Hi, Carrie. Hi, guys. Hey. Hi. Uh, Carrie, you you probably don't know me, but I just want to thank you. I've never met you, but I want to say I love you. Um, you helped out my friend Shalandra. Um, with that whole police situation in Michigan, because Shalandra is a wonderful person, and she is an HIV-AIDS advocate, and she's not a dirty whore, and she's not a drug user. She's she's a victim as well. And uh, the police, what they've done to her, they really crushed her spirits. It's like she was down in the dumps again. I don't know how you met her how you came across their story, but what you did was awesome, and you has you have really helped shine the light back into Shalandra's life. Please and give I her a hug thank for you. me. I will. I and will, and I just want to thank you. There's no reason to thank me. I just, I, read, I heard about her story, and that could have happened to me. That could have happened to anybody, and I've never done a, uh, petition before that was actually my first one and I have never met her before but I feel like we are kindred spirits now because of that situation and I just absolutely love her too and please let her know that she she is a beautiful spirit a beautiful sister and I just she she has a lot of love and support and okay I will do that but she's a fighter and she advocates up here she got the clinics and everything going, but these people up here are scared to get tested. Why are you afraid? Hmm. Points to ponder. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Thank you well, so thank much you guys. for letting me know All that. All right. All right. Good night, you guys. Thank you. Right. Thanks for calling in. So we actually have another caller. So area code 479. We're on the other positive radio. Who's this? Hello? Hi. Hi. This is Tracy. <laughs> Hi, Tracy. I know Carrie personally, and I have to say that I'm very proud of her, and I love her so much. Hi, Tracy. Thank you for calling. I I couldn't resist. (laughs) But um, we have to ask you, um, how do you stay so positive when there's so much negative stigma that you're fighting against? And I'm behind you 100%, and I know some people are just so... No, blatantly ignorant about people who are HIV positive. How do you fight through that? I just do it. <laughs> I don't know how to answer <laughs> that question. I just, I have, I've had one person specifically uh, comment on my personal Facebook page that said, you know, we know that you have this and we're sorry you have this, but you really should talk about something else. And I just politely responded to her, you know, if you really paid attention to my Facebook, I do talk about other things. I talk about my daughter all the time. But, you know, this is my personal Facebook, and if you don't like it, you don't have to come to it. So I just I laugh it off, and I just move on. I mean, I have my down days just like the guys do. I'm sure they can tell you that. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I call them my AIDS days. Your AIDS days? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've always been an optimistic person, so I don't I don't know any other way to be. Well, that's a good quality to have. Well, thanks for calling in, Tracy. Thank you. Totally for on hold. So I have a question for you, Carrie. I know um, we were at the International AIDS Conference, and one of the highlights for me, as I'm as sure as, as Jeremy and as I'm sure as you, which I'm sure it was very emotional for you because I remember you seeing you crying when you met this person and when you met Jamar and his mother. Tell us a little bit about what that experience was like for you. I was, I had been talking to 
Danielle Rogers on uh, Twitter and Facebook and just explaining to her how important I think it is and how how much I love her for being so supportive to her son. And just because you could see it live on TV, you could tell that she loved him. And, and right. it just reminded me of my mom. And whenever we got there that morning, I was really excited and starstruck to see Jamar. I'm not going to lie. I was excited about that. But the, oh, fact that's that I, <laughs> the fact that I walked up to Miss Danielle and she said, hello, Carrie, how are you? That shocked me that she knew mm-hmm. who I was. She knew my name. She she cared about me so much that she she paid attention to my Twitters and my, however you say that word, and my Facebook. But she cared that much that she knew who I was. And that's what made me so emotional. She really does care about us and loves us. I, I totally agree. And I, you know, she's been on the show and Jamar's been on twice. He's going to actually come back on in the future soon. Um, but just, Going in, I, I get it, like, because when she knew exactly who me and Jeremy were, and you know, it could have been anybody, but, like, she was so active in her son and, and the activism, and not just active in him, but active in the people that loved him and were inspired by his story. Like, she could have not have known who we were. You know, I mean, like you said, walking up and her knowing your name, knowing that she took that much thought to, to, to care about somebody who cared so much about what her story was and what her son's story was, it was incredible. Well, we actually have another caller, so let me go ahead and bring this call on because we're down to the last four minutes. Uh, let's see. Hi, Ronnie. Yeah, who's this? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, you can. This is Michelle Anderson. How are you? Hello, Michelle. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> the queen of the night. How are you doing, girl? No, no, Hi. no, no, really, no, really. Who, Who is this? This is Michelle Anderson. I don't know Michelle Yeah, Michelle, you got a question or a comment for Carrie? I just wanted to tell her that, you know, I am so proud of you uh, for uh, taking lead. Um, You're an awesome individual. I love you so much. And that keep doing what you're doing, babe. Thank you, Michelle. I love you, too. You are awesome. I love Michelle more. (laughs) Well, she's my Jewish to back off all yes. <laughs> We're all fighting over over Michelle. This is disgusting. I enjoyed Carrie so much when I met her. She is just a fun-loving person. And, you know, we need to see more women like herself who are telling real stories and that, you know, her story, you know, can empower other women to, you know, live boldly. And I just commend her on everything that she is trying to do. I really do. And and know that I'm watching. I may not always say things, but I'm watching. Oh, thank you. That Michelle, so that's just creepy. What are you, a stalker? <laughs> I stalk her page like once a week. I do. Miss you, baby cakes. Miss you lots. I, I don't care what guys. they say. I love, I love you. Well, I love you too, babe. You yes, awesome. honey. You have, a, you have a great night. Thanks for calling in, Michelle. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we are actually down to the last 90 seconds, but I have a call on the air. So real quick, I try to put out our website. Um, you can find more information on the show and past guests that we've had on at POSIM.com, more information on Jeremy Dunn, my co-host, at PositivelySpeaking.com. Kelly, where can people find you real quick on, on Twitter? You're Kit Farmer, is that it? That's right. And then on Facebook, people can find you under Carrie Farmer, right? That's right. Okay, and if we cut off at the next caller, you guys can listen to um, the call, the rest of the show on air in the archive because it won't cut off in the archive. Area code 479, you're on the air. Who's this? Hello. Hi, who's this? This is Rebecca Esconte. And Hi, I how are you? To, I just wanted to let you know that I met Carrie a couple months ago, and she's just an awesome, awesome partner. She's a, my partner in crime. She's taught me so much. <laughs> She has got the patience of a saint, <laughs> and she's just an awesome person. Hi, Becca. Becca's actually my, my partner in crime in my in my River Valley Hope. She's amazing, and she helps me out so much, and she keeps me in check. 
Yeah, she is, and her daughter is so amazing. Um, she is not afraid to answer any question. I mean, she's always there for anybody, you know, when it has to do with AIDS and HIV, and she's just awesome. She's just awesome. It's good to know a person like her. I agree. Well, thank you so much for calling into the show. Uh huh. Thank you, guys. Love you, Bye, Becca. Carrie. I love you too, Carrie. All right, Carrie. So, um, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure, you know, meeting you at the conference, and I can't wait to see you again at the the Pfizer Women Conference. Um, people can again find you on Facebook at Carrie Farmer, and then also on Twitter at Kit Kat Farmer. Correct? That's right. All right. Well, Carrie, you have a great night, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Talk to you guys later. Have a great one. And again, folks, you can find more information on us and upcoming shows at pausim.com. Next week, we will be speaking with uh, Justin D. Terry Smith and Philip Terry Smith, um, sharing their story about being an HIV-positive couple and also about being foster parents, so you don't want to miss that. Thanks you all for tuning in, and have a great night. Jeremy, I'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> I contracted a preventable disease from a guy that looks good and smells good, but never mentioned that he had HIV. But he is not to blame. I should have loved myself enough to protect myself. But through it all, I found self-love, and it's the greatest thing I ever felt. I was never less than or equal to AIDS, but always greater. I just realized that not caring for myself or my body, I was my biggest hater. I am author of the naked truth, Marvin Brown, and I am greater than AIDS.